0: This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hey everybody, Carm Capriato, Remarkable Results Radio. I have a really cool episode here for you today. We're talking to David Boyce from today's class. Hey David. How are you? I'm wonderful. And you brought a cast of characters with you. I love this. I did. And we're here to talk about today's class and I'm excited about it because you and I did an episode a while back, fell in love with your piece of software, your training tool for technicians, service advisors too, or just technicians? Service advisors too, yep. And we have been talking to a bunch of people that use your product, so I absolutely had to say, hey, tell me where we are, what's going on, the, you know, the strength of your great product. And there's so much to talk about, leveraging the smartphone, maximize technicians, learning potential, the strengthen the weaknesses of how your product works as a learning device that's available online on the uh, smartphone but I'm a big proponent of a training resume love the concept of knowing what we've attended how we've done and even if you don't use today's class and you send people to conferences or you do online training all of that should be recorded not only for the sake of the technician but the sake of the owner of the shop so that when new stuff comes up they're always looking to see what are we taking how are we doing in it but then there's always that, ooh, how are the assessments working? And how long has it been since I've taken that last class? And I know you have dealt with all of those issues with your software. And we also have a great couple of use case, uh, Ari, at least I know one use case with Tenise uh, and Weston, and we're going to introduce them in a minute. And of course, Rich is here, who's a, a shop owner and, and Matt Fonslow is with us. I think everyone knows Matt Fonslow. Now, David is president of today's class, has this great online learning organization that's been supporting the automotive industry for more than 20 years prior to joining Today's class, David managed software consulting organizations, big names like Oracle, Accenture, an MBA from Purdue University, smarter than me, and a BS in industrial engineering from Kettering University. Weston and Denise Chapman, husband and wife from Black Hills Tire Rapid City, South Dakota. Hi, guys. Hey. Nice to see you. Rich Young is here from Charlie and Ray's in Essex, Maryland. 30 years in business, Rich? Hello, Carm.
1: Yes, sir. The company has been in business for 30, but it's new to me. I've been there for two as the owner.
0: I love it. Were you a former tech there or an owner somewhere else?
1: Uh, no, sir. I'm from a completely different industry, the equipment rental industry.
0: Boy, do I love that. I love knowing that people came from outside the industry and they're tackling it head on. That's cool. Good stuff. Thanks for being here. Matt Fonslow, shop manager, Riverside Automotive, Red Wing, Minnesota, and from the Matt Fonslow Diagnosing the Aftermarket A to Z podcast on the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hello, Matthew. How's it going, eh? Since its relaunch in 2020, the Napa Auto Care member side has continued to evolve to keep members updated on all the Napa programs, promotions, benefits, and other information available to help their businesses thrive. If you're a Napa Auto Care member, visit member.napaautocare.com to access the member portal. Not a Napa Auto Care center? Well, contact your servicing Napa Auto Parts store to learn more about how to join the Napa family. Listen, David, you know all about this great piece of software. I, You know this much. I know very little. Let's start.
2: So as we discussed last time, really what we're trying to do is deliver training in a little different way. You talked about the training resume underneath all of that. What we're really talking about is data insight about what somebody knows, what somebody needs. And that's a big piece of, of what we do. We try to gather data about an individual, about a shop to understand where, where they can best benefit from training. Do I have a gap related to brakes or drivability and so forth? And if I do, then that's what we want to seek. And the way we do that is leveraging technology that's called adaptive learning. And we try to make this very accessible. You mentioned mobile phones earlier. We're trying to deliver training sessions in a way where they're adjusting to the strengths and weaknesses of your team, but served up in a way that's, that's easy to access. One of the biggest challenges that folks have in terms of getting training is, is time. One hour segments, instructor led events that are maybe an hour away. Sometimes those are barriers that will prevent people from getting training. And the less frequently they get training, the more difficult it is to close those gaps. So really trying to look at it in a little different way, make it very accessible, make it very data-driven, and then work with shop owners like the folks we have on the call today to learn a little bit differently about what other areas we need to pursue. So for example, whether that's content related. Service advisors, drivability, HVAC, you know you name it. Whether it's resources we need to pursue. So for example, we have partnerships with groups like the Tire Industry Association, where often we'll hear a shop owner say, well, hey, if, if we could get access to this as a platform, that would be really great. So really, we're just trying to make as much as we can available, very easy for a technician or a service advisor to access, but also make it very valuable each time they log in. And we're doing that through again, that use of technology.
0: As you all heard, David set this up, obviously you're sold because you have his product and you're using it, we would love to hear how it has helped, benefited, even think of, let me go way off the deep end and think the retention of your people because you care so much about their level of training and keeping them as current as possible. How's it helped your business, Denise?
3: Well, I think that our staff has become more of a unit. They talk over lunch hours and breaks about questions that they might have had. Everybody is in a different level of in the Today's Class app because it kind of adjusts as they are getting questions right in certain fields and then it'll move them on to a little bit more difficult questions. So everyone's in a little bit different, I guess, avenue, but very easily they can talk about it, relate to it. Maybe someone was in that level before, so they can kind of give them some tips to a different technician. So I think that's really been the big key for us is we created this group that they talk about things now on their lunch breaks instead of just sitting on their phone flipping through Facebook, (laughs) or, you know, they find something to talk about that is the shop related. And it's, it's really fun to hear and hear that. So.
0: I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty damn refreshing because they're all in. It's about the shop. It's about their learning. Do they ever take quizzes during lunch?
3: Yes. some of them, We try to encourage them to take them before they come to work that day, right away in the morning, just so they don't forget. But some of them do it on their lunch and I can hear them in the break room and be like, oh, I can't believe I got that one wrong. And then they want to talk about it. And because they're about four questions usually, sometimes they're a little more, but usually four questions a day. So.
0: so, you know, that whole thing reminds me of assessments. I mean, this is really what it is. I mean, there's the learning piece, right, David? And then the there's the quizzes, which brings a competency level. Am I right?
2: Yes, one and the same. We're basically assessing so we know where to train you. So they're linked. We'll direct you towards other avenues, whether it's modules, videos, and so forth, once we know that you have a gap there. If we know that you don't have a gap there, if you've confirmed that you're an expert in this area, We don't want to direct you towards a 30 minute module or a 10 minute module about that because that's not necessarily a good use of your time. What Denise just described, though, is one of those things that we're really trying to encourage. And when she describes her team talking about this from an adult learning perspective, from a retention perspective, that's a big deal because just learning something on your phone is one thing. Reading it on your phone and then having a two or three minute discussion with your coworker and hearing about examples or things that they've struggled with, that is more likely to cement that in your brain going forward. So with these daily learning sessions, this competition that we have, including with the app as well, it tends to trigger that. Not always, but in many cases, we we try to drive that because if we can facilitate that dialogue into happening it goes a long way to having a culture impact, but also really impacting the knowledge for each learner.
0: Rich, I love your story. Outsider coming in, two year shop owner, and you're searching for training options and you found a sounds like a great one.
1: We did. Um so about Four months or so into my ownership experience, I figured out pretty quickly that we were in trouble and we needed some training. I had a great group of folks, previous owner didn't do a whole lot in in terms of training. So we had ASE certifications that had kind of gone by the wayside. So I started on a quest to find training and invested a great deal of time, looked at online versus in person. And and when we stumbled across uh, today's class, I was blown away. And I'm like, this is the bullet and been on it ever since.
0: Matthew, it sounds so much like what I know is going on at your place with what tenise said and how the conver- it, it just keeps dialogue and conversations alive as it regards to diagnostics and training.
4: It's kind of an accidental team building. I mean, it would be very difficult for David to uh, market, use this app, and not only does knowledge level increase increase and stuff like that but it also is team building exercise but that's what it is that's what ends up happening is whether it's back in the shop or the break room whatever it's like hey have you had that one question yet did you answer it this way or what did you did you get it right something like that it's like i got it wrong i don't understand it and next thing you know they're kind of finding the answer together or you know in our shop I guess they can come to me and i'll explain it and uh stuff like that but i, I think even without someone to ask finding the answer together, working on it together. Yes, knowledge levels are going up and that's great. I don't want to even say that in a way that sounds like I'm diminishing it, but you're also getting this team building thing. Like now they're even more apt to go to each other and ask questions and work together for the betterment of the shop entirely.
0: Weston, question about uh, training culture inside the business. This almost like puts it up about 30 notches.
4: Yeah, it's huge.
5: We're so heavily involved in training in any way we can do it. We've flown trainers in for private training in our shop. We do tech fix. We did a bunch of ETI trainings. We've done every kind of training we can possibly get our hands on and Consistently, the, today's class training is the one that everybody's doing. It's, it's quick, it's easy, it's in the palm of their hand. So we see just such a higher... The buy in is so much higher. They're involved more. There's sideways pressure from each other. You know, they're always like, hey, did you do your quiz today? Did did you do your quiz today? Let's make sure we all did it. You know, the competitions have a lot to do with that. That's been a lot of fun, but it does. It creates a a lot of chatter amongst the guys with each other. You know, just did you do your training? Did you not do your training? Have you had this question? It's just been phenomenal.
0: I always look for pearls. That seemed to drop from the tree of life during my podcasts. And I just heard one of them. Sideways pressure. I love that term. Sideways. I was, who wants to say the word competition when you can say sideways pressure? It's peer pressure. But instead of saying peer pressure, which almost sounds negative, it's like sideways pressure, softer way to say, hey. We're all going in the same direction. Let's get there together. And if not, how come? Who do I want to drag over the line?
5: Absolutely. And I can sit here and beat the drum all day long. You know, hey, you know, do this training, do this training, do this training. But if the guy in the bay next to him is asking him or if the service writer is asking him, you know, then that it just means a lot more. I think they take it more seriously.
2: And that's one thing we've worked really hard to to leverage both technology, but also the how we deploy to an organization as well, because motivation is a big deal here. So we believe that these technicians and service advisors need to learn. How do we motivate them to do so? Relevancy of the content can play a role. So that's part of the adaptive engine. If if we're pushing content that's relevant to the learner, they're more likely to be engaged with it than something that is irrelevant to them. If they have an opportunity to earn points or be the top person in the shop or be part of a shop that's competing against other shops, those are all tools that we use to try and drive them to train each day. And the more they train, the more targeted it becomes. And there's not a silver bolt. There's not one tactic that works great for everybody. What Matt described, some of the back and forth and the, the collaboration and the team building, that's going to work for for some shops and some folks. Other folks, when it comes to you know being number one on, on the leaderboard or winning items through the platform or recognition, those are other activities. So we're again we're trying to come at it from a broad way and, and recognize that everybody's a little different. But if we can have enough of those levers pulled, then maybe we can increase the likelihood that they're going to train today.
0: You said adaptive engine. What did you mean by that?
2: So essentially the the system has uh, really complex algorithms that will evaluate what you know and what you don't. So the system really starts with kind of a broad library of topics, you know, ASE aligned topics. So whether it's you know, electrical, brakes, steering, suspension, you name it. Based on those categories, we will assign topics to learners. So if you are an A-tech, we will likely assign content that's different from a service advisor. And below that, each learner is assigned certain priority levels of, of what's really, really important for them to learn. When we first onboard an organization, we tend to come at it with a default set. But or once organizations get rolling and we have some data to work with, we, we break them off and they can determine that, hey, for our team, here's really the focus. So it's getting warm up. We really want to work on... HVAC and so. So from there, what the algorithms will do is we'll determine, do you know this or not? Is there one thing that you don't understand in this topic, let's say refrigerant fundamentals, is there one thing you don't know? Because the way that we look at it is that 80% is not good enough. What what the system will do is say, okay, maybe you know eight out of 10 things on this. We're going to focus on the two you don't, and that's what we're going to lean into. And so that's what we mean when we're talking about this adaptive engine. It is on the hunt for each person where they're weak. And that's what it's going to focus on until they overcome
0: it. So team, where's the training coming from? Are you doing training too, David?
2: Yeah. So the training in it, it's a very different model where the training is delivered through these questions. And that's one thing that is sometimes takes some adjustment for folks to get used to because the traditional approach is we're going to provide a module or a video and maybe ask you some questions after. From an adult learning perspective, one of the challenges with that is what if you already know the content in that module? Is that a good use of your time? Do you turn off halfway through so we lead with those questions and we teach through those questions now we're not the only group that's doing this you'll see this in other areas such as in language learning very popular apps like duolingo and Babbel. and if you know somebody that uses those you'll see them doing these short sections on their phone they're repeating sentences back and forth they're not reading a list of vocabulary words they're interacting back and forth so we're using a similar model there
0: Wow, so interesting. Gamification is a thought that I had. I would love to hear from our shop owners. Are you doing anything to reward or is it just enough to to pass and move on?
1: Karm, actually, we just had a contest last week, and we've done a few of these every now and then just to keep people engaged and make it, make it some fun so we can either post prizes, gift cards, whatever, and then people get to use the points that they've earned and bid for these prizes. And it's fun. You get a little bit of sideways pressure from one another, Coin <laughs> Weston's phrase there. And it turns into a little fun event, and at the end of the week or whatever term you set it up, and we try to put enough prizes in there that everybody can win something so nobody gets left out in the cold. It's been good. It's been it's it's helped increase the stickiness of the app.
0: So I've got this thought, and I've been saying these words a lot lately on a lot of my shows, the words production apprentice. And so why are we calling a, a GS, a general service technician, a starter upper? I'm going to call them production apprentice because that person with the words apprentice got to be some learning curve there. We got to teach. Got to want to learn. We got to teach. Is today's class good for a startup?
2: Yeah. So what we can do there. So the platform is really, really flexible. So for groups that are looking for more of a structured apprentice program, we'll do something a little differently than I described a moment ago, which is a little more flexible and, and, and adaptive to use our, our work. We have the option also to create very structured paths. So if you've got an onboarding process where step one is they're going to do a, let's say a TIA certification. Step two is is they're going to knock out this course. We can do that. And that includes both content, which could be modules or videos that could include the question-based learning, but it can also include things like tasks and observations. So if you want to train somebody on your particular process and then have them demonstrate that, you can actually record it in the system. But the nice part is, is let's say in terms of that process, you struggle with steps five and six. Well, by recording that in the system, it can automatically start pushing training related to steps five and six the next time you log in. So basically it folds in. It's another input to the system assessing what you know.
0: Matthew, have you ever used it for a person who needs some at the ground level
4: yeah we had it out with everybody from master tech level down to you know apprentice or greenhorn or whatever you wanted like to qualify them as so at one time i think we had five maybe six five i think it was five techs on it at one time of varying ranges and varying levels of experience so even though one may not be a master tech they've been doing this for 20 plus years and focused on a certain maybe more mechanical type repairs so they bang through the maybe the break section and stuff like that. But then the electrical section was be where they would get a lot of the learning. And then, of course, creates discussions during whenever we would interact. I don't want to say always during break time or lunchtime or whatever before work is working side by side. They might fire a question about, I thought I understood this as a volt on the ground. What I, What does that mean? creates a pretty good topic.
0: It's almost like a particular question can live for the day in discussions, right? Even a week, Matt. And think about the constant thinking and thoughts and camaraderie over that, if you will, that culture of training, Weston, that is so important. Anyone here recently, within the last six months, hire a, a new technician? We did. You did? Describe to me, when you're in that interview, or describing your company. Hey, tell me about your company. Do you provide training? And you described today's class as a training engine, inside of your company what kind of reactions are you getting
3: they're kind of like what I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to do with this like you want me to be on my cell phone <laughs> and as far as I know we're the only one in our community that is using um, today's class right now so we recently hired a technician from a, de- a dealership in town and he's was like what What do you want me to do and I'm like it's really fun and so I like show him and I'm like okay well don't look at my scores because I'm not very good at any of these break questions but you know so I show him around and then you were, Weston, you were Showing him yesterday a little bit, weren't you? And talking Mm -hmm. about because he wants to get ASC certified. So you're showing him how to use that to help with that.
5: Yep, exactly. So I showed him how to get into different modules where if he wanted to go in and train on some brakes, or if he wanted to go in and train on drivability, he could watch the actual videos and modules and do those kind of above and beyond the daily trainings. It's just so easy to use. He's loving it. So he's pretty excited to go through and get his start taking some ASE tests. So
0: uh, You drop the ASE bomb on us here. And of course, David, I believe your software has ASE preparatory training, right?
2: Yeah. We don't frame it officially as that, but it certainly leads to that preparation. And the, the way that it plays with that is that if we're talking about any area, let's say brakes, you can measure exactly where you are in terms of your prep for each of these stages. So we've got four levels of difficulty within the platform. And typically, once you get into level three, which is really about applying that knowledge in a situation, you will see questions in the platform such as Tech A said this, Tech B said that. And that's really where, where you get into your prep there. But the other piece of this is that the system focuses on reinforcing it over time as well. You may not be taking that ASE this week, but you might be studying, you might be learning about Power Assist this week. What the system system will do, and this is helpful not only from an ASC certification perspective, but painting your knowledge is that it will continue to cycle back. We recognize that you're not going to see something, learn it, and it's going to stay with you forever and ever it's just not. So what the system will do is it will come back and reinforce that knowledge over time. So if it takes me three or four months or longer to prepare for that ASE or to learn this concept, you can rely on the platform to be keeping you sharp six months down the road, 12 months down the road. So from that aspect, the fact that it'll keep you sharp and you've got really good visibility to where your remaining weaknesses are before you go into that testing center, you've got that level of visibility and can kind of hone in on the areas that are still gaps for you.
0: As an independent repair shop owner, do you find yourself struggling with any of the following? Uncertainty about the future of your business and keeping up with the competition. Are you spending too much time managing day-to-day chaos or struggling with new employees? Do you have time keeping up with industry trends? Do you find your marketing is effective? How do your finances look? Are you reactive rather than proactive? Do you know where you should be, where you can grow, and where you should cut back? If any of those situations describe where you are today, you are finally in the right place. Repair Shop of Tomorrow is Napa Auto Care's newest endorsed partner. They are helping shops nationwide run more profitable automotive repair shops by utilizing proven best practice marketing and coaching to leverage Napa programs to drive quality car count, sales, and profits. RSOT will look at productivity, efficiencies, effective labor rate, average hours per car, labor profit percent, manage and measure labor, and how you can create net profit. Mike Kraft from Chelsea Tire and Service totally revamped his business. He was ready to get out, but decided to give RSOT a try. Now he has two shops with a totally revamped business. Likewise, Tom Kilmer from Grand Rapids Motor Car, RSOT helped dial in his business and focused on key points that changed his business and his life, which is all in his bottom line. Repair Shop of Tomorrow offers a tier-based program to not only generate more business today, but to transform your shop into a top-level shop of tomorrow. RSOT can teach you how to make your shop profitable, and they can teach you how to recruit and make more labor dollars for your shop. Give Repair Shop of Tomorrow a call, 440-545-1230, for a free 20-minute, no-obligation consultation. Denise Weston, you said you had a case study to tell us about
5: two things I guess that jump out to me when you say that is employ a lot of really really young techs so I mean 17, 18, 19 year olds they're incredible move sideways a little bit but these young kids are amazing and we've really really pushed today's class hard with these kids and that's it's really fun to watch because like I was just looking at Rylan who started with us when he was 17 he's 18 now we're putting him through school this fall on a full ride scholarship to our local VoTech and he went from 30% like base flying knowledge in these tests. I just checked today and now he's at like 88%. So huge growth, huge, huge lift in his knowledge. That would have been impossible for me to, there's no program to get a 17-year-old kid into while he's working all the time.
0: Weston, can you see the strength, the areas of strength that he has?
5: Oh yeah,
2: absolutely, yeah.
0: Tell us what his top strength is. David, while he's looking, the student and the owner can see, you know, a composite of all of his team.
2: We think it's really, really important to know where you are. So any individual can look at anything that they have touched. They can see that I have seen this one question about wheel alignment four times. I got it wrong the first time and then I've seen it three more times since, and these are the dates I got right, here's what I selected. All of that visibility is there. Now, the management team can do that also. They've got access to other reporting dashboards, some that are kind of a deeper view from a desktop view, but there's also a web app where you can go in through the app and and see highlights as well. So depending on the comfort level with kind of digging into data and reporting, we provide that in different ways.
0: Excellent. What'd you find, Weston?
5: His strongest stuff right now is pretty obvious stuff. It's tires. it's TPMS systems, it's lubrication service level one and two. But then right down below that, electrical symbols and wiring diagrams, 70% lift in that, 70%. You know, So he was almost nothing about that stuff now. And now he's at 96% on electrical symbols and wiring. So that's the kind of stuff that I look at. And I think, how else could we ever have accomplished that with an 18-year-old kid? There's no way.
0: I don't know about all of you, but that's Kind of impressive. And Matthew, when you think about the youth that we need to bring in our industry and to groom them and grow them and teach them. Weston, I mean, you talk about a use case, best case, pretty powerful, right, Matt?
4: I mean, extremely. And what will be more interesting is a year or two from now to watch them because I got to watch how I word stuff because this can come off dismissive. But it's easier to go from zero to percent to, say, 50 percent or whatever. It's almost like lifting a weight. You know, you get it up to your waist and then you got to push it up like this, you know, above your head. Well, that's much more impressive, that next step. And now agree with him. I'm not disagreeing with him with any of the thing that I said to further support what he's saying. And where this goes is that there's really no good systems available to us. Really beyond today's class that allows us to take somebody from that low level and work them up to that 70. To get ready for that big push to a hundred percent. Cause I think Dave mentioned a little bit earlier, okay, 80% isn't right really good enough. And that's kind of the American thing. Is like if you know 80% of something, that's an A, that's a B, you're going on. We're talking more like mastery level and teaching to mastery. And that's a very like it used to be an American thing. You hear it a lot from Khan Academy. That's really what Mr. Khan pushed for is teaching to mastery. Well, that's what we're talking about here. And kind of a not to take things and go in a different direction, but it's important to note the kind of an elephant in the room. It's something David, I think, really hinted at is retention rate. The conventional way we are taught, retention rate is, is extraordinarily low and probably not something we want to go too deep into. It's something that I would like Paul Pate would probably be a really good guy to get involved in this and maybe... George Menchu and that type about how we learn, how we retain information. But one example is feeding off yet another word that they've dropped, the socialization. You send somebody to a training event, weekend, whatever it is, pick your favorite event or whatever one you heard about. You send your text to that and they go to some classes and whatever. The retention rate is going to be terrible and it's not bashing on them. It's not bashing on the class. This is how we learn. But what they do retain is... The networking afterwards. So if they're sitting in the whatever communal area shooting the breeze with somebody and they're telling them a story about a car, they'll remember that months from now. And this app with the reinforcement allows these guys to retain this information for months and years.
2: Yeah. What I would offer there is is to think about it in a different context, because if somebody attends, let's say, a three-hour course on drivability, I think it's unfair to assume that they're going to, first of all, absorb everything that was covered, and two, that they're going to remember it forever. Think about it in a different context. We talked about the language learning app, Duolingo, a few minutes ago. Imagine sending your team to a three-hour course on Spanish or German or something like that. How much do you think they would absorb, and how much do you think they would remember two months down the road without any level of reinforcement? If you think about that, it's probably not very good. So it's just something to consider when thinking about our expectations about, again, how much we can really anticipate a tech or a service. I just kind of soak in and then be able to apply three months down the road without any reinforcement. What we're trying to do is just recognize that as a reality about how the brain works and let's work within those constraints and find tools to take advantage of to address that as best we can.
0: Who was it that was saying we send our people to all kinds of training? Uh, was it you, Weston? Yep. Great question great stuff, everyone. You're not taking away any kind of live training that comes to town or bringing in a trainer. That's a component. Today's class and other training, they need to work together. As much as the forgetting curve is there, the retention piece like you guys are talking about, it's almost like, I don't, can you do one without the other or they, they both have to work?
4: Well, that's where yeah. the app can help more is you go to a class And then they come back and not saying that the app set up yet, I think that might be in the future to work with that. But if they get questions kind of in that subject area, there's the reinforcement. Even if I go to this drivability class, you know, I don't do very much drivability. I'm going to go to the drivability class so I can do more of it. And I really don't get to see many drivability issues in the shop because I'm still doing my whatever jobs. But I got the app and it's asking me these engine performance type questions, reinforcing stuff I learned in that classroom environment. Whereas everybody else not doing something like that they go to the class they can come back and say Well, wow, that was a great class I loved it got this good book I don't see a drivability issue for a few months it might as well be gone I might remember a few key areas maybe there's a funny story that I'm emotionally attached to that I remember better than other stuff but the app can help reinforce all that stuff learned in that classroom environment and that's not to totally bash classroom environments but it's an issue that we have not just auto techs our entire educational system
3: well a lot of times those classes where we're at, they're put on by, you know, the parts stores or something and they're, they don't start till six o'clock at night. So this, our staff has worked a entire day and then they're expected to sit through a three hour class they're not retaining as much information as they could. So hopefully they pick up little nuggets of information and then they can use the today's class to cement that and keep it fresh in their mind.
2: These things work hand in hand. What I would ask people to just think about is just be aware of that. Be aware of the fact that people may not forget or that they may not retain it forever. Because it's again, it's just kind of the way, way things work with our brains. and all Think about all the other information that we're absorbing each day. We just need to keep that in mind. So we work very well with groups and planning for trainings to try and combine that, identifying audiences that are ready for that advanced level training as mad said coming out of a train being able to reinforce it i think rich said that there's not a silver bullet out there and i i would agree with that i think we can play a good role in this overall equation but at the end of the day it's a tactile environment you got to get your hands on these components and see it in person i think where we can really support that is you know, getting people some of that knowledge so that when they walk into those classrooms they're really prepared they can take advantage of that time then after the fact, if we can help them cement that, to use Denise's word, I think that can go a long way, but that's how we would position it.
1: Yeah, and Karm, I actually had the opportunity to experience the kind of how they work hand in hand first. firsthand. shut the shop down back in March and took the entire team to Vision. And when we got back, there was a lot of reinforcement going on. I could hear people discussing things that they had either seen or were seeing currently that they took training on while they were in the Vision conference. So there's definitely value in doing dual training avenues, like David said, small bits, constant reinforcement, because you're not going to remember everything. And we've tried the type of training that Denise mentioned where you go to these after-hour sessions and they try to cram eight hours worth of work into three hours. And you're lucky if you remember two things. So it helps, but this seems to be much more efficient and more effective.
0: I remember talking to a a shop owner and I said, so uh, what kind of training are you sending your people to? And he goes, my techs, they won't go to training. Of course, Carm's next question is, who owns the business? Okay. (laughs) I took a shot. <laughs> I just wanted the shop owner to think that think that answer through, right? And for shop owners that are struggling, there are some out there that have yet to get out of the hobby mode and become professional, And but they know it. They, they kind of see the changes, the metamorphosis that they need to make and to grow a better business, and they know that training is so critical, so important. It needs to almost start now. So people say, hey, listen, I, I can't. I don't want to go to training. I can't go to training. I won't go to vision. I won't do this, and I won't do that. What if you brought in today's class and say, okay, well, that's great. No problem. You don't have to go anywhere. Let me see your phone. Let's start. And you prove to them through the learning management system, through the assessment program, that they need training. (laughs) I think to me this could be a tool if you can't sell training hard enough. You can't demand it or make it a part of the employment arrangement. This seems like it would be a perfect tool.
5: It's humbling. I'll tell you that. I'm an L1 master tech and it finds your weaknesses and it screws right down into them. It can humble you a little bit. It's a really good tool for bringing everybody back down to earth a little bit and letting them know they do need to train and they do need to study and they have some gaps.
2: Yeah, it can be tricky too. Rich and I have had a number of conversations about the importance of training, and kind of getting that pull through. You know, we don't want to sugarcoat it and say, hey, it's an app. People are just going to go do it. It does take. As Rich noted earlier, you're creating some expectations around it, sometimes creating some engagement around it. But, Rich, would you agree? Sometimes it's a bit of a push and pull depending on the various personalities in your shop.
1: Absolutely. Some value training more than others. Talk to people one on one and they'll all tell you what you want to hear. But sometimes it's like pushing an elephant up a hill in order to get people to do the training. But you got to do training. So this is a very technical business. And I think for the most part, the techs that are engaged and are in it for the long haul see the value and understand that they need it knowledge is just not intrinsic you got to train technology's changing
4: you're all spellbound <laughs> i have a rough time answering the question because i can't empathize or sympathize with them Not Um, wanting to learn. It's something very difficult for me to wrap my head around other than specific situations or shop situations where the tech's smart enough to know that I can spend all this time, and I'm not implying anybody on the board here in this discussion, but many shops, that I'm not going to be paid to be there. I'm not going to use any of this. I'm going to go learn all this stuff, but I'm content to do... Whatever work, we want to say undercar, which most of us know with newer vehicles, you should probably hit some classes and learn about what you should be doing when you're messing around with the undercar or to put in stuff into service mode, stuff like that. It's just such a poor long-term plan on their part. I just can't wrap my head around it to say I'm willing to send you to a Vision or a ASTE or pick your Apex or just a night class provided by whoever, you know, standard motor products. And they're just kind of like, yeah, I really would rather not. And I understand maybe there's other things you would rather do. You'd rather go fishing. You'd rather go <laughs> play on your PlayStation 5, but this is your career. Where's this? I, I got to know. I want to know how this works. Or I want to be ready for that car. I want to be ready for when that Tesla finally rolls in the door. Should I even be putting it on the hoist? Do I have the knowledge level to even know that we have nothing in the shop that should let us hoist that car. So I need to know that. I don't want to just know it. I need to know that. So I can't empathize with these, that mindset of, I don't want to go to training. I don't want to use this app. It's hard to answer it.
3: I agree. Cause I've always had the mindset of, don't you just want to try to be a master at your craft and whatever your career or your job is at that time, that's your craft. And you should try to be as knowledgeable about it as you can, whether no matter what it is. And so it just shocks me as well when people don't want to become more knowledgeable in what they're doing every single day. It just baffles me. So I agree with you.
1: At times it's a generational thing. I've seen where technicians that fancy themselves as an A-level tech, more advanced tend to discount training more than someone that's, you know, new to the industry. They have a ton of stuff to learn, even up to the point where somebody's you know, not a senior tenured person, but somewhere mid-road seems to be more accepting of it. And getting everybody to buy in across the board has been a challenge, but, you know, it's one that I think we're up to and we got to do it.
0: Thinking about, I'm on an advisory panel for, uh, you know, AutoTech Community College. And when I think about the students that are looking for internship programs, and when I think about the young people that we are out aggressively recruiting in our industry, we're talking to parents. Isn't it? Is your South Dakota May Governor talking about skilled trades? Right? Am I right? Yeah. I've seen Governor Christie on there, plumber, a welder, and I don't think she's an auto mechanic yet in the commercials I've seen. But the point of it is, is there is this incredible push going on. Four skilled trades and for the overpriced four-year to bachelor's degree, they'd have to go get a master's in order to get a real college education. Ah! And the six-figure debt that parent or child is going to have over that and why skilled trades are so attractive. So if we, and we are, on an incredible role in the industry in rethinking and being more aggressive and attempting to recruit younger people, like I guess you guys are, Weston, which is great, what an incredible tool today's class could be hey, mom, hey, dad, I'm working. This is this is a great thing. And guess what? They're already training me. There's an app on my phone. Let me show you how I'm doing. A lot of times we don't have things as a young person to go back and say to friends, to peers, to parents, look at what's going on inside the place that I just went to work for. Look at what they're doing to start to train me. Who would have ever thought the automotive repair industry, these greasy mechanics, Look at what they're doing. I got a beautiful uniform. I got an app on my phone about training. What a tool. I'm not trying to sell your product, David, but I maybe am so convinced (laughs) that it is such a, I hate to keep using the word cool over again. Maybe there's a better word, but am I crazy, everyone? Am I crazy the way I'm thinking here?
4: I mean, you're definitely crazy, but they're crazy for what (laughs) you're thinking. It sounds like a good sales pitch to be an auto tech. Like, don't get me wrong. We got to give our techs a light at the end of the tunnel. There's got to be justification for choosing this as a career, compensation-wise, especially versus the other skilled trades. But the stuff you're talking about, if you could become an electrician or a plumber, the stuff that changes, for the most part, isn't so technological. It's maybe building codes. A few things here and there, right? Plumbers now don't solder as much. They're a lot more crimping. And electricians, I guess solar a little bit. They're putting in power walls and solar panels probably more than they would ever have years ago. But for the most part, they don't have big advancements like we have. And so this continual learning, I would think being some of these other trades, when stuff doesn't change, it gets kind of boring, right? You can just be kind of a a zombie mode and get by. And I don't maybe that's appealing to people, but it wouldn't be appealing to me. I like the idea of constantly learning new things and increasing my skill set and stuff like that. That sounds like a really good sales pitch, which ties directly back into today's classes that you keep expanding your skill set.
2: For somebody young, the traditional online learning approach was available early 2000s, right? We had that. That's kind of where we started in the online space. And I think it is reasonable to expect some of that 17, 18 now to have different expectations than maybe what their parents did 20 years ago from a learning experience. It, we believe it's it's shifting. We think mobile is a part of it. We think adaptive learning is a part of it. Your personalization, like everything else we see on, online. We think accessibility is a part of it. So we think that that's going to shift. So again, when you think about that kid who's maybe you know, 18, sharing how they're learning in a different way, I think it is realistic to expect that that should be a couple steps ahead of the model that their parents learned from when they were first getting their feet wet with online learning.
0: Great point. Look at everyone. I'm going to just give you each about 30 seconds to give a final last word or sum this up. This was a great episode. Thank you. I think we challenged the industry to think way beyond the box, break the box, actually. And thank you all for your honest assessment of how today's class is working for you. And David, thank you for bringing this together. Uh, Rich, any final thought
1: you know karm i'm not sure where we would be today without the training app that we have as i indicated a few months after buying our business i felt like we were in real trouble and the traditional learning we just wasn't going to get it done this is very comprehensive it's easy to use it's portable it's mobile people can do stuff at night on the weekends wherever they are on vacation we don't obviously push people or advocate for that but if they feel the need that they want to do training or learn something and i looked at a lot of mousetraps over the course of about nine months. And this is by far the best piece of software and mode of, of delivering content and training to my folks that I could find. So I don't know where we'd be without
0: it. Thank you. Wow, what a testimonial. Denise?
3: Big thing is our you know, our business model is a little bit different at Black Hills Tire. We we're trying to grow the industry. So we do hire young technicians and then put them through school and There's no way that Weston could work with each one of them and get them to the skill set that they need and can learn. He just wouldn't have the time to do that with every person. And so today's class is clearly taking that place and helping. So he can, he's still there to help them, but he doesn't have to spend quite as much time as you can see with Rylan, Like that's a huge example of how Rylan learned that just through the Today's Class app. So I can't think of a better way to get younger kids interested in this and grow the industry. And we're just so excited to be a part of it.
0: Well, thank you very much for that, Denise. I can't help but think, we're talking young. We got this youth movement in the last 15 minutes going, but think about our established people that haven't gone to training and discover some of the gaps that they have going forward. But Hey Weston, are you in the bays at all? Or are you you working on the business?
5: Not anymore. Now I'm strictly on the business. So okay, great. We've got about eighteen employees now. So we got four writers and a bunch of kids running around and some experienced master techs running around. So and I think speaking of the service writers, I think that's really the. Part of today's class that I wasn't expecting that I was really been awesome is the training for the service writers because we bring in a lot of non traditional service writers. None of them were ever techs, none of them have ever been service writers before. They're all just salespeople or people that we've just fell in love with their attitude and their dispositions. We brought them in as service writers. So it's really helped us a lot to get them the baseline automotive knowledge. And then also, there's a lot of baseline. And even more than baseline people skills in today's class, there's a lot of communication questions and modules. There's a lot of just actual service writer skills that I wasn't expecting in today's class. I thought it was all mechanical stuff. So I was really, really excited to see that. And it's good. I mean, it's really legitimately good training for those service writers.
0: Maybe we should come back, David, and bring a service advisors. And I love your point, Wes, that maybe we take some of your people who have come from outside the industry. Perfect attitudes need to learn some technology, need to learn the the sell people skills, the no like, and trust me stuff and how they use today's class to get into that groove. I'm sure it's not a hundred percent of training. You got to probably still get some kind of maybe live training for them, but then it comes back and it's almost like, uh, let me see, you put the hardener and the body filler and then you got something, right?
5: Exactly. Yeah, it is. It's been Really a phenomenal tool that we tie into their other. We have them in multiple other programs, but
4: good stuff, Matt. Take advantage of variation, varying the ways your uh, people can learn, and team that up with more conventional ways and supporting that. And then also the tools with the app being on that program, allowing you to kind of monitor everything and create built-in some incentives. And then you could add on to that with your own. It's really sky is the limit. And I think just kind of be aware of to support the more conventional ways of learning to increase the retention rate. And then again, I I just feel like Denise said, and I brought up that it would be so hard to advertise this as part of the app, you know, to put it on the website and then flyer or whatever at a booth at a trade show. Like it's going to increase the camaraderie of your shop but
2: that's what it really does yeah well and that and that's something that we're incredibly fortunate to be working with some really great shops and we know that this approach it's not for everybody so it, it's been great to get to know Denise and Weston and rich Matt and others and for groups that are looking for this type of approach and they're looking to shape the culture and engagement at their shop we can collaborate with them it's not something where we we flip this thing on and and walk away we try to engage with our customers you know every four to six weeks share data share strategies we're trying to push ahead with new features just last week we started pushing text message alerts on on point statuses and so forth so we want to keep pushing but again we're really fortunate to work with such great groups and get their feedback because we need to learn that we need to adjust we want to make sure that we're responding to what our customers need so thanks to everybody for participating i really appreciate your feedback and we're lucky to be working with you
0: David, great summary. Thank you, David Boy's president of today's class. Weston and Denise Chapman from Black Hills, Tire, Rapid City, South Dakota. Rich Young from Charlie and Ray's, Essex, Maryland. And Matt Fonslow, shop manager, Riverside Automotive, Red Wing, Minnesota. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for
1: having us. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks, Carm. Appreciate it.
2: Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time...